This podcast is presented by the Miami Rescue Mission Broward Outreach Centers, also known as The Caring Place, www.caringplace.org. Welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program with all the good news and more. Brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers, where caring for the needy, feeding the hungry, and changing lives happens every day. Now here are your hosts for Mission Possible, Ron and Marilyn Brummett. Good morning, South Florida, and welcome to Mission Possible, the good news program brought to you by the Miami Rescue Mission and Broward Outreach Centers. Collectively, we're known as the Caring Place and have served the homeless and the needy for almost 100 years. This is our 97th year of helping people change their lives and become productive, but just better people. Good morning again. I'm Ron Brummett. I happen to be the president here, and I've been here for 27 years, almost 28 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm joined this morning by my lovely wife, Marilyn. Marilyn, isn't it great to do what we do? That's amazing. You know, um, the people that we are touching are probably, they've really fallen through all the different nets, you know, of help. And as they come to us, they are coming broken and hurting but we have the opportunity to infuse life and uh, not only pray with them and let them know that god loves them but uh, give them also those physical uh, meet those physical needs that need to be met you know like they're hungry so you feed them Uh, clothing uh, hygiene showers education uh, getting ready to get back into society and we really do see lives changed and transformed right and if this is the first time you've ever tuned into this program this is the good news program of course we want to toot our own horn and tell you all the great things that are happening in our centers in miami-dade and broward county but we also open up the platform to other organizations faith groups businesses churches individuals that are making a difference it's so easy to turn on any media today i don't care if it's the news if it's the social media if it's newspapers uh, and you're going to hear something negative and unfortunately we live in a very very hurting world a very hurting nation a very divided nation and it seems like if 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 it bleeds it leads right marilyn yes that's true so uh, anything negative but there's so much good going on I've been here so many, so many years. Marilyn has been here, and we get to see the best of people when they come out to volunteer. And there's so many different ways to get involved. But we've had people from eight or nine years old doing special campaigns, all the way up to 94, 95 doing things. Uh, we have people of all faith. We're a Christian organization. We love the Lord. We want, we want to share God's love in practical ways. We believe that God has a plan for everybody, and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. But we do not push that on anybody. Uh, we're not going to be that kind of uh, faith person that if you don't believe our way, you hit the highway and all that. We love all people and all major religions, regardless of uh, their origin, has it this commonality is to take care of the widow, take care of the poor, take care of the, the orphan, orphan, take care of the homeless, take care of those that are sick. And that's what we've been doing for so many years. And then if you really want change, Marilyn, you've been here a long time. You, it's, you just don't go up and preach somebody no. and say change your life and, no. and hear something. What, what, do you have, what do we normally have to do? You have to love on people. You know, let them know you care. You know the old saying that people don't care how much you know 
until they know how much you care. And that's what happens as people come in. We start loving on them. Now, we have to meet their physical needs first, um, and that's the love. You know, there's love in every meal that's served um, at the mission. And uh, as they get their uh, showers and their clothing, uh, we just let them know that uh, there's a there's a there's a purpose for life and there is a plan and no matter how down they feel um, that really God does have a plan and I love our volunteers they really are the ones that come alongside put that hand on the shoulder and say um, here I have a, a drink for you I have a meal for you I have something I'm giving you um, and we have so many uh, different faith teams that come in and pray with people and say I'm here to pray with you what is your prayer request and they'll just bow their head right then and just pray with a person you see tears uh, coming down uh, the faces when they see someone care so much they would stop what they're doing just to pray with them right and that's the beginning of a catalyst of change you know, when people come in the doors, it's not because we have the best facilities, not because we have the nicest staff, it's not because we have the nicest clothing for them. Generally speaking, there's a great need, and they're just, they don't, they don't have no place else to turn. And the most number one is that they're hungry. And so we've said this for many, many years, that hope often begins with the meal. We have an indoor meal program that we have in Miami that's serving anywhere from 400 to 600 men and women every single evening. Uh, they also get a change of clothes. They also get a word of encouragement. Then we also have our, our programs, our, our emergency services in Broward where they come in and get something to eat. But you know, that is the place where you can have that first engagement and you can start talking to people and they get a change of clothes and they get their hygiene done and they get their, you know, take a shampoo and their hair and they get new clothes put on there and they get their belly filled. They're more likely to listen to you. Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll hear what you have to say. If, if not, uh, you really can't communicate and you can help. And we said this, hope begins with the meal for $2.10. You can become a Meals a Month partner. So we what is it five meals to begin with? Yes, yeah, ten ten dollars a month or twenty dollars yeah. a so month. So to pledge five meals, yes. ten whatever yes. you whatever God puts on your heart, you know, five meals a month is about ten dollars. Mm -hmm. What is ten dollars? What is that? A, a movie? Is that a two ch trips to the value dollar menu at one of the fast food places? Is that two cups of coffee? coffee. You know, for $10, you can provide five meals. And we're not talking just crusty, you know, leftovers. We're talking good meals. That's right. Nutritious. So, and that's a way that we can open the door. And you can be having, you have a way to help us help others. Now, you can also volunteer. So go to our website at caringplace.org. That's caringplace.org. And find out how you can get involved. And, and Marilyn, we have our bombastic birthday party coming up. Is it this Wednesday? Yes, yeah, Wednesday. Uh huh. And you know, we celebrate this on all of our campuses at the same time. We do this year after year. And what I've seen in the past is that um, they get personal cards. You know, we have organizations, school groups that have made cards, and uh, those cards are handmade and they're beautiful. And it's given to every person that comes in. We invite those to come in from the street, the homeless, the hungry, our residents. Uh, so we're jam-packed on, on these particular days. They get cake, ice cream, there's music, there's all kinds of things that are going on. And they feel that personal love, that personal touch. 
and it's ju- it's just so wonderful to be able to um, see the the thankfulness. I, I've had people come up and say, I don't remember ever having a birthday party, or I've been on the street so long, no one has said happy birthday to me. I had a couple of times where somebody actually came up and said, guess what? Today is my birthday. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The me- the thing is, the, the, the message is, uh, you matter, and you are loved, and there is hope. Right, and that's for all of our residents, about 700, 800 residents, and then also as many as we can get to come off the streets to enjoy a good meal, birthday cake, music, celebration, uh, cards like Marilyn said, and of course it's birthdays happen every single day, but it's just one day of the year that we can congratulate everybody and so many people that are homeless and and maybe you've gone through this in your own personal life maybe you've gone through some really bad times and you think it'd been better if I wasn't born maybe my life would have been better if I just didn't exist or why was I born and so that's a great time that we can really love on people and encourage people and it does make a difference you know every little thing that we do every day it's a cumulative effect. It's not that we fed somebody one day or we handed out some clothes the next day or we gave some hygiene the next day or we gave a birthday. It's the things we're doing that we emotionally invest into a person. So when they're ready to make a change, when they're ready to say, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, that they'll think of the Broward Outreach Centers, they'll think of the Miami Rescue Mission, and they'll come in. Now, the summer months, we call it the summer slump. Every nonprofit goes through this because the big bonanza is always in the fall. You know, you have your Thanksgiving, your Christmas, your Hanukkah, you have all the outreaches. But during the summer, we still have a homeless. And in Miami, in South Florida, it's different. You know, in, in the northern part of the country, you have the winter problems with all the ice and the snow and the horrible living conditions. But it's quite opposite. Actually, it gets brisk, and we have had some cold weather nights. But it really has to do with the, the rain and the humidity that comes in the summer. So help us. Uh, go to our website at caringplace.org. Become a volunteer. Make a, make a donation a day. Become a Meals a Month sponsor. And let's change lives even during the summer. Well, God bless you. And stay tuned right here on News Radio 610 WIOD for more Mission Possible. Well, welcome back, and this morning we have a very, very special friend of mine. He's a guest today. His name is Anthony Blackman. I've known him for many, many years. Uh, He is so talented in so many different ways. He's had a a life that's had a lot of ups and downs. He's got quite a testimony himself, and I'm so glad he's here. He's willing to share what he's gone through and what he's involved in now, which is very, very important for our community. And I'd like to welcome Anthony Blackman. Anthony, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Mr. B, and I'm excited to be here. Well, let's go back a little bit. I don't know how much you want to share sure. because you have a really strong testimony. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your association with the Miami Rescue Mission. How did you even get? We even got to meet. Yes, sir. So, 2001, after being uh, released from prison in Alabama, I was 25 years old. I had a spiritual awakening, March the 9th, 2001. I was in a hotel, and. Uh, I was cursing out God, and I was saying, God, if you, I was enraged, if you real, you know, uh, mind you that I grew up in the uh, Islamic faith, so I was Muslim at the time, and uh, I was in this hotel in Hollywood, Florida, and I was cursing God out. I said, if you real, 
why don't you show up in here right now? Because I don't believe that you exist. If you have all the power, why did we have to suffer as children? Why did we have to go through so much? So I dare you to prove yourself right now. And that was the day, Mr. B, that I had a Paul experience right there in that hotel. And my mind told me to open the drawer. And when I opened that drawer, it was the Gideon Bible in that drawer. And I had never read the Bible at that point. And, and I opened it up to Psalms 51. And I had no idea what Psalms 51 was at that particular moment. But I now know that that was King David cry out to God after he had committed all his sins. He murdered Uriah and slept with Bathsheba and had a baby. So this was my cry out to God. I had a, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And that's when my journey began, March the 9th, 2001. So what brought you to the uh, the rescue mission? Very good question. So I got saved and I immediately was introduced to Byron Williams at this church called the Church of the Firstborn in Miami Gardens. And we did my first album, it was a gospel hip hop CD, and I was on tour. I had just got saved and I was already, you know, on tour telling people about the gospel. I was on fire. But, you know, as I look back, on that time, Mr. B, I never had an opportunity to really mature in Christ, you know. So I end up falling, I backslide and relapse or whatever, whatever you want to call it while I was on tour, you know. And then when I came back to Miami, I went to look for help. So I was going through the yellow pages, I think, at the particular time. And I came across the, the Miami Rescue Mission. And I called the mission, you know, in reference of this guy who needed help, you know what I mean? But it was me, mm. you know? And I called, I say, we got this nice guy, he's a gospel rapper, and he really needs help. And, and, and Charlie Gordon told me, well, bring him on by. And that was my first encounter with the Miami Rescue Mission was in 2002. Right, and so that's a long time ago. I know you've had your ups and your downs, and. You mentioned you're a recording artist, uh, gospel music. I've heard a, a lot of your tunes. I know you can cut some some tracks out and, and things. Uh, do you have a website that people can go to? Yes, sir. It's www.circleofentertainment.com. Circleofentertainment.com. All things Anthony there? Or? Well, no. Actually, we have a, uh, a, a variety of different members of our organization that have a lot of different talent in the entertainment industry. And so what we're doing is uh, recreating the narrative and creating positive, inspirational music, gospel as well, you know, to the community. Well, you know, one of the most exciting things and one of the blessings in my life is when I see people like you, and uh, there's hundreds and hundreds over the last 25 years that have come through our centers in Broward and Miami, is uh, not only do they get to know the Lord, but they also start getting focused in life and then they also start be contributing, you know, back to society, getting involved, helping, coming back to the centers and helping the formerly homeless or going out in the community, being ambassadors for the mission, helping us raise money and awareness, but also getting involved in civic responsibilities, getting involved in their church, getting involved in their government, getting involved where they're working uh, to make a difference and to make a bold statement. And this passed in April, in March, uh, you and 
several others, and I'm going to let you tell the story, got sure. together, and uh, it was really something else, a hunger strike operation. And will you tell us about wh how it began and your involvement and what was the goal? Sure. So the, the organization that I'm a part of is called the Circle of Brotherhood, which is a Miami base. It was originated here. And it pretty much consists of black men from the community that's working together to solve our own problems. So uh, there was a candlelight visual in Liberty City, and four of the members from our organization was at this visual. Now, imagine 40 to 50 wailing mothers who had lost mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. children to gun violence in one place. Now, I mean, it's tough to see one or two but 40 to 50 wailing mothers bawling because of senseless gun violence. And it was at that candlelight visual that the four members of our organization says that we have to do more. We cannot just sit around and just do nothing as the senseless gun violence continued to plague our community. So it was that day the seed was planted, and then nine of us, which we're called the Hunger Nine, come together. The circle of brotherhood, The right? circle of brotherhood, right? Uh, hand-selected nine men who volunteered to be a part of this 21-and-a-half-day hunger strike in which we left our wives, our jobs, all of our responsibilities, and slept in a parking lot in Liberty City on 62nd and 12th Avenue for 21-and-a-half days without eating any food, only water, to bring awareness the gun violence that goes on in our community every day. And you had qu quite a few people come by, and I think uh, some community leaders came by and mm -hmm. had a chance to talk to you. And uh, what, what, what do you remember of those 21 days? What, was there a highlight for you, a specific activity or something that happened that you look back at and said, if we hadn't done this, mm -hmm. this wouldn't have happened? I'm going to tell you, the highlights for me was so many. But just right off the top of my head, there are people right now throughout the United States that are going on hunger strikes. And, you know, just from a historical standpoint, hunger strikes are not really done nowhere in history. I mean, it's very few. You can count the hunger strikes on one hand in the whole entire world over the years. So the awareness that we have brought has initiated a cry out. And let me tell you something. From a biblical standpoint, when God starts to hear the cry of his people, he always raises up people, ordinary people, normally the least, the last, and the lost, to create change. So for me, and still to the day, I feel like that what we did had spiritual uh, ramifications and that the door is now open that God is going to really start pouring out his blessings in our community. Well, Anthony, you, you, you served time in jail. Yes, sir. Um, that, that's been decades ago now. 18 years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you've, you've come around where you've been touched by the Lord and have a, have a great relationship with our Lord and Savior. And then you've taken it to another level and influencing other people. I, I agree with you. What was done, it can be a catalyst for other communities, but the ultimate goal is to stop the, the the gun violence. Yes, sir. 
and uh, takes the lives in our inner cities. A lot of times you don't even hear about it. It's so commonplace, they don't even report it mm -hmm. unless it's a small child or whatever. So, uh, Anthony, I want to just tell you again, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I continue for great success. You, you've warmed my heart today. Thank you. And we're going to just keep praying. We'd like to have you come back on in the future. Yes, sir. I love to. Leanne Navarro here, the Community Development Associate for the Miami Center. Uh, we have in the studio today to talk about a very, very important subject in South Florida. Uh, we have our wonderful Jose Soto and our wonderful Michelle Belacere, uh, State Farm agents. Jose happens to be the public affairs specialist for State Farm. And uh, I thank you before we start talking because I know we're going to talk a lot about what we came to do today. But I want to thank you once again for always do so much for the community, not only through your insurance services, but also through helping those in need. Welcome, Jose and Michelle. Well, thank you, Leanne, for inviting us and giving us the opportunity to speak uh, to the community on this subject. Thank you so much. So let's get to it. Uh, we all know <laughs> this is the time of year we all dread. Hurricane season starts yes. on June 1st, and it lasts till November 30th. Yes. So there's a lot of things you guys may have heard, a lot of stuff that you hear in the news, on the radio and TV. Uh, but there's a lot of things that folks may not be aware of, the things they need to do to get ready for a storm. And uh, from an insurance perspective, we're here to give you some important tips. Um, and Michelle's been an agent for a long time with State Farm. And one of the key things, and Michelle can tell you, is it's imperative, super important, that now is the time for you to meet with your insurance agent. And why, Michelle? I mean, why is it well, so important? It's very important that you meet with your agent to make sure you have the proper coverage on your home um, for the season. There are many different insurances that are involved, many different types of coverage that are involved uh, during a hurricane. You have your base homeowner's insurance. Do you have a home or do you have a condo or do you have an apartment? Do you need a renter's insurance? Do you need a homeowner's policy? Do you need a condo policy? Do you need a flood policy? Do you need a wind coverage policy? And, and we don't want to do this when the hurricane is a week from now right, right right why not guys because once a hurricane is imminent the state puts a moratorium on the writing of new business so it's not like you can wait until channel 10 or WSPN announces a hurricane isn't out there you can't and it is not your agent it is not the insurance company that so is don't statewide. be mad at state farm exactly <laughs> that is statewide so they're right. telling you do not wait to the last minute to speak with your, take this time, this opportunity to speak with your insurance agent now. I'm sure you guys feel the same. In South Florida, you don't play with that. I Correct. think you always have to have insurance because we are not exempt. Every yes. year yes. we face some type of threat or something that actually happens. Yeah, right. So why wait? Yeah, and review your coverages. You know, yes. know what your coverages are. Because they don't your, cover everything. You're, you're right. right, your deductibles. Mm -hmm. You know, you may want to make a change. You know, sometimes it's possible to make a change. So you may want to do that. And then have that number ready, that contact information ready. So God forbid there is a storm, you want to be able to contact your agent or a lot of companies like State Farm, we have a toll-free number that you can call or even go online when you, you have to report a claim. And part of being prepared is knowing what you have what you own because uh, a lot of time we accumulate things and we don't realize exactly how much uh, property we have so it's important to inventory everything that you own nowadays everybody has a cell phone that has uh, the capability of taking pictures and video and right. video go around the house take pictures of what you have make sure you keep an in written inventory and um, photo photographs of what you have and that's and that's helpful not only for you but also as 
for the agencies, right? Oh, yes. The insurance agencies, how yes. wonderful that when you call them, you're like, I got it all. Exactly. I have everything ready for you. Exactly. This is how you can help me. It's right. not only important for after the hurricane when you're making a claim, it's important for before so you know how much coverage you need. Exactly. You don't want to be overinsured. You don't want to be underinsured. So you, we don't realize how much we need and how much we have. Right. Absolutely. And th this should be part of your normal process when it comes to like preparing your emergency kit, you know, d do that, like having sure you have enough water, et cetera. And then um, the other thing is, you know, are you in an evacuation zone? It's important to know if you need to evacuate or not. Coverages, uh, there's certain coverages under the policy that will allow you to give you additional living expenses and things like that. So again, be prepared, be ready to protect yourself during the storm. Uh, and then know what to do after the storm itself. Thank you uh, so much, Jose, Michelle. This was amazing. Thank you so much again for joining us today. Well, I think it's always the favorite part of the show when we get to talk to people who are going through or have gone through life change. And today I have with me Luciano. And first of all, may I just welcome you to the program, Luciano. Thank you for being able to and wanting to share your story. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, let's go back in time, and uh, let's go back before you came into the Miami Rescue Mission. What was your life lot like, and what led you to come to the Miami Rescue Mission? Yes, um, I came to Florida at 11 years old in 1999, and um, from there is where my journey has begun. You know, I had a mom, basically single mom, just raising us. Is we're uh, six children. My sister, my sister is the oldest. I'm the oldest of the boys, and that's how basically my life has, you know, has begun in South Florida. Okay, so as a single mom, um, did she really try to keep a tight rein on all of you, or was it a little more, you know, she kind of depends on you guys to raise your, do your own thing? Well, you know, she depended on me because I was like the oldest of the boys and she wanted me to be that role model of the boys and show them how to, you know, basically be men. So I had to basically grow up quickly. Mm -hmm. So where would you say that maybe things got off track? Well, things got off track um, a couple of years after where, you know, she was using drugs and mm -hmm. then so that affected me. So it really me. started with her then? Yes, it started with her. Um, you know, it affected me, and when I first saw that, you know, it, it was traumatic to me. So you were kind of shocked that your mom was involved in that? Or? Yes. Okay. So how did you get involved then? Um, me, I started uh, using marijuana at 18 years old, you know, after you know after time you know going to parties drinking alcohol but that's all i really have done is smoke marijuana from 18 years okay old. so you really that's good you haven't gone on to the other hard stuff yes so what brought you to the miami rescue mission what brought me to miami rescue mission is i was staying with my stepfather and you know and i wasn't focusing on myself I was giving all my time and efforts for the family, not going to school. You know, I have a brother recently that is 15, running the streets, and I, I was helping my stepfather, just looking for him, going out there, and it was just, it was just wrong. You know, 15-year-old out there using drugs, all type of drugs, drinking, getting involved with gangs. So, 
why do you, did somebody encourage you to come or did you make this decision yourself? Somebody told me about the Miami Rescue Mission, that it was a great program for me to join, that it's Christ-based and that they helped me be a better man and a better person. So was it kind of to get yourself out of being dependent on at the family and so you could concentrate on yourself and make sure that you were okay? Yes, I wanted to get out of that environment. I wanted to be more closer to God. I already had a relationship with God, but I just wanted to be stronger. Now, where did that come from? Did, did you go to church when you were little? Or? Yes. And was um, that influenced by your mom or just to somebody maybe in the neighborhood that invited you? or? That was influenced by my aunt. She always took me to church on Sundays and wanted me to get you know the Word of God. She had a vision of me being in ministry, and she, before she died, that's what she told me. Wow. So you have, you know, I've heard of praying moms and praying grandmothers, and here you had a praying aunt. Well, that's amazing. So in your first few days, let's say, week, you know, at the Miami Rescue Mission, what was that transition like? Well, for me, it was like the first time ever being in an institution. And I never experienced things that, like this at all. It was a different change. And how I transi transitioned into it was, you know, just observing my um, environment and seeing how everything went along as day by day. Okay, well, we're going to stop right there. We're going to come back in just a moment. We're going to pick up Luciano's story, and we're going to find out what happened to him after he was really involved with the Miami Rescue Mission. We'll be back in just a moment. Well, we're talking to Luciano, and he is being honest and giving us his story of how he came to the Miami Rescue Mission. had a little bit of a turbulence uh, in his childhood, uh, and um, there was not always that stability. And uh, so you didn't, get, thank God, you did not get into the hard drugs, um, the marijuana and drinking. And that a lot of times leads to the harder stuff. But you just realized that you were kind of a wave being tossed there in the ocean. And uh, by your own uh, admission, you wanted to come into the mission for stability. So we're picking up right now in your story about how was those first days and what is happening because you now are really high up uh, yeah I tried to explain it to people It's like being a senior at Harvard you are in the alpha program and uh, so you are a senior around here and a lot of people think us of just a shelter but we're so much more than that we are the Miami Rescue Mission University yes. so it, it's very much of a, a very much of a teaching so you're in that but let's go back again in those first days at the mission and tell tell us how you transitioned into being part of this life well, you know, the first couple of days, like I was explaining before, it was a very hard transition because I never experienced nothing such as this. But Does then, that mean rules or in regulations, when to get up, when to eat, when to, you know, do your assignments? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, those type of things. Um, you know, waking up 5 o'clock in the morning <laughs> to music, gospel music. It was a, you know, it was an experience just getting up and... You know, going to breakfast, then going to your CSA, then going and to school. And that means Christian service assignment. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and that was very different for me because I never experienced something like that. Like when you're in the outside world, you know, you get up, 
any time that you like or whatever time that you have scheduled. So going and getting up from 5 o'clock in the morning, going to your Christian service assignment, then going to the educational center here, you know, it has changed me tremendously. Now, you've always been a student, so the educational center, What? how did you fit into that? Because I've had people say, oh, man, it was so, it's a shock to me because I wasn't used to studying and all that, but you were a student. So how did the educational center help you? Educational center is great because it teaches obedience. It refreshes your skills that you thought that you never had, like with math and reading and, you know, other things that come along the way. Okay, so you just was able to focus and, and sharpen what you already had in your head. Yes. Um, but uh, just make sure that it was sharp and you're going to be ready for the world. Yes. Okay, so um, talk a little bit about what's the upper, being an upperclassman, uh, being in alpha. Uh, what What is that like? Well, as my, and being in the second week of alpha, it's a lot of dedication that you have to put forth in being an alpha. You have to be ready. You always have to make sure that you are um, in in the Word of God, studying what the instructor the instructor gives you, and it could be very hard if you're not prepared. But if you're prepared, it could be, you know, a, a slight easier. But it's always a challenge. Well, I know in Alpha you learn um, eight principles. It actually takes you 16 weeks to go through Alpha. Do you? Can you already uh, say what your first principle is? Yes, the first principle is begin right by accepting Jesus, God's light. Wow. Okay, so you're already on your way. Now, you are going to go on because you've already been a student in your life, you know, your young life, and you've been a college student. And so right now your goal is to go to which college? FIU, Florida International University. And have you already been accepted? Yes. That's amazing. So as you finish up your Alpha program here, you're going to transition into FIU. And uh, you may stay for a little bit longer as a resident, but you'll be a graduate and you'll be going to school. That's amazing. And what are you going to be taking? I'll be taking liberal studies. Okay. And what's your goal of what you maybe would like to do? Well, after that, I might transition into hospitality and management. You know, in the Bible, it talks that, you know, we have to be stewardess on, onto one another, and we're here to be servants. Well, I hope you enjoyed this wonderful story from Luciano. I wish you could see him sitting here. He is young. He is bright. Uh, you can just tell he's very intelligent. He speaks two languages. And uh, so we're very proud of him, and we know God's going to take you to more and better and bigger places in life. Keep trusting God. Thank you again for sharing your story. Yes, praise God. Well, Marilyn, what a wonderful testimony from Luciano. What really stuck out in your mind about Luciano? We know that uh, he was actually introduced uh, to drugs at such an early age. I mean, that's that's just, it's mind-boggling. You know, seven, eight years old, and uh, he said, you know, he had a good family, but an older brother, you know, did introduce him to um, that marijuana, you know, so early in life, and then alcohol, and that just started a path. And uh, it just went from there. And it's happening to literally thousands and thousands and thousands of kids uh, throughout the world, but here in America, too, where they start out 
and they're sneaking drinks from the cabinet or they have friends, little older friends are getting them beer and then it goes down to marijuana and then it goes up and up and up and before they're, you know, in their teenager years, their mind's pretty much blasted out because they really haven't developed emotionally or spiritually. Maybe they're physically haven't developed but their mindset is not and they're, how many brain cells have they killed and, and how bad they've done in school. So when we see the aftermath and it's carnage you know, of uh, a person's life like Luciana, we're so grateful that we have people that love others, that support this ministry, that care about people like Luciano. And you can make such a difference. And we have a meals a month program, which I think it's five meals to become a member, right? A month? Yes, yes. Five meals uh, to become a member. That's a little over $10 a month. Or maybe you could do 10 meals. That's $20 a month. And you are sponsoring. Uh, meals and and you know that people are, are are being helped you know and sometimes our meals a month partners come together and they actually serve uh, lunch together or dinner together so they have a lot of outreaches themselves so you can be part of that serving of the meal that you're sponsoring yes yeah, so you can go to caringplace.org/meals that's right now do they still get the wristband do yes they still-, they still get the wristband so you get a special wristband and you know I wear my wristband almost every day and uh, some Sometimes people will even ask me, what is that blue wristband you're wearing? And I get the opportunity to say, I'm a meal sponsor helping a homeless, hungry person be able to eat. And they go, oh, well, how do you do that? And I get the opportunity to say, well, if you'd like to be a sponsor, and it's a wonderful group to be part of, go to caringplace.org slash meals. That's right. And this summer... You know, we have quite the opposite in North America, in America, and then South America, uh, southern parts of the United States, is that we do have brutal winters. And yes, we do suffer from some cold weather that comes through here, and we do have special cold nights, and we reach out to the community for yes. blankets and sweaters and funding and all that. But during the summer months, and mm. you've been here, if you've lived here any time at all, you know you can almost set your clock, your your wrist, you know, your, your, your watch, or maybe your phone now, every afternoon at a certain time it will start raining and we're not just talking a little bit of drizzling we're talking about monsoon types of rain so then people that are on the streets that don't have a place to keep dry they come to us soaking wet uh they all their belongings if what little bit they have are ruined and they just look and they feel terrible so we have a different type of program a a problem and our centers will be packed Yes. Because they will be almost be forced to come in into inclement weather and say, hey, the only place I can go is Broward, the only place I can go is Miami, and they'll come in. But that is where we have an opportunity to feed them, to, to help clothe them. To and hydrate them, them. And hydrate them and also use the Meals a Month program mm-hmm. to provide hot, nutritious meals so they know, hey, this place is not so bad. And we don't really... Until you make that decision that I want a program, I want to better myself, we do have emergency programs, but they're pretty loosey-goosey. You can't be drunk. There's some guidelines there. You can't be, you know, inebriate or hurt some other people. But we want to make sure that at least you have a place to get off the street and you have some food to eat. And again, we, we rely, especially during the summer. I mean, all during the year, we need your support. But during the summer... We really need people to step up to the plate. It's our, our summer slump months, and, and we really rely on people that will become members of our Meals a Month program. So go to caringplace.org slash meals. Help change lives this summer, and tune in next Sunday right here on News Radio 610 WIOD for more Mission Possible. 
This podcast was presented by the Miami Rescue Mission Broward Outreach Centers, also known as The Caring Place, www.caringplace.org.